0: I don't think any of that's going to make the podcast. Probably not. No. Like it. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Andrew? Yeah, oh, it's going pretty well. I'm back in San Diego for a bit. Um, Ew. It's not that bad. Oh, I mean, okay. it's
1: better than L.A. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think most things are better than L.A. To be honest, <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah,
0: this is Layer by the Layer .dot net um, Layer by the Layer
1: podcast layer show podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that the audio desync that we were just talking about that isn't going to be in the pod, but this part will be, helps us to make our intros better, because <laughs> it's, it's like really weird and awkward as we try to say stuff at the same time as each other. <laughs> I didn't even
1: try, so to be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is the Layer by Layer podcast, a podcast about layering uh, sponges of a cake.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, and it's also all about some, that.
1: And also sometimes cubing
0: yeah but mostly about layering sponges sponge cake cakes cake sponge layers i I
1: may have just been watching uh the great british i don't know the british bake-off i don't know what do they call that like the uh the the
0: the baking of Uh, the british baking show that's
1: on netflix i forget (laughs) the exact name of it but yeah i may have just been watching an episode of that and that might be why i'm thinking about that with layer by layer
0: (laughs) nice Well, uh, if you want to find the subreddit for the show to give us feedback, you can do so at layer by layer on Reddit. It's a subreddit. I said it normally this time, mostly. Wow. Kind of. I mean, I stumbled a bit, but that was pretty normal. Andrew, are you okay? Dot com. That whole thing was a (laughs) URL. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're good. We're good. (laughs)
1: Some someone buy that URL now, figure out what it is and buy it.
0: It's probably pretty cheap because like who wants a URL that long? <laughs> like a
1: hundred characters long. Hundred plus. Uh, probably two hundred approaching two hundred. Yeah, quite
0: possibly. Uh today is Sunday, December twenty third, twenty eighteen. Uh won't be twenty eighteen for much longer. Probably That's by true. the time we record the next episode. But
1: yeah. Hooray, last episode of twenty eighteen. Woo! Ooh, maybe we can yeah. do some kind
0: of special for New Year's. But, I mean, this is, actually, I don't know. Could take me a while to edit this. Uh, <laughs> Happy New
1: Year's special podcast. All right. Where we do nothing different. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what the New Year's all about? Basically, yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, it's like a big to-do about nothing when we just kind of add one to the year and go- continue <laughs> life as normal.
0: Yep. Year equals, or wait, year Year plus equals one, something like that. Java year
1: equal year equals uh <laughs> equals plus year or something. Year plus plus. Year plus plus. That works too. I don't know. there's some notation I remember in Python where you do like equals plus Ooh. is like an incrementer. Yeah, yeah, that sounds
0: right. It's either equals
1: plus or plus equals usually. Oh yeah, it's hard to say things. Yeah, it's totally plus equals. <laughs> 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 it's saying things is a lot harder than seeing and typing them. Yes. Um, <laughs> fun fact: Don't start a podcast, friends. Except do because uh, it, I don't know. It's kind of fun, and <laughs> I I, th- I don't know. I think that the more cu- cubing podcasts there are, honestly, there's so few at this point that are um, well listened to. That like it's good yeah. to get more people into it because you know the more people get into others, the you know synergy mm-hmm. and all that crap. Well, do you want to get into follow up? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I think uh, you should go first. Okay. SkillCon happened about a week ago, and it was really fun. Um, it's also apparently going to be the last SkillCon uh, at the Rio in Vegas, which is weird. Hmm. So uh,
0: are they moving somewhere else in Vegas? or
1: No, it's, uh, from what I've heard, actually, I don't know if this is, like, privileged information, so maybe I shouldn't say more about it. Not that I don't know if they'd really find out in this obscure podcast that I said it, but um <laughs> I will say that there are changes coming to Skillcon. So Okay. Yeah. Well, and apparently too like the Rio is supposedly being like rumored to have been bought up and is potentially going to be the uh future site of a baseball stadium. Cuz that's how Vegas works. They just, you know, build casinos and then 30 <laughs> years later Decide, and fixing it up now, just knock it down and build a new one. Who cares? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the Riviera from 2013.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The world's venue, if you aren't aware. I realize that um, it's funny to think, like, I have always think uh, that everybody knows about worlds in the U.S. from over five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I realize, wait, right. five years ago. That's a it's long so time. It's so long. It feels, yeah. well, I mean,
0: almost four, five and a half, really. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it feels like i don't know it doesn't feel like that long ago for me it was like my first big really really big competition
1: yeah i mean it was the comp that kind of really sold me on like yes cubing is my thing <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
1: but I, I digress we're not really following up on anything yet um skill <laughs> in vegas that did just happen a week ago um i mentioned that uh dodge cube was gonna be a thing
0: yeah in- did you get that working
1: Yeah, we actually, so we ended up not getting a lot of players because we did it like immediately after awards on Sunday. Okay. And a lot of people had left by then. So we had like about like 15, 16, I can't remember exactly how many, but we had enough for for, like two teams for sure. Okay. Um, And yeah, we kind of ended up just basically trying to create the game because we had no idea how (laughs) balanced the game would be. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, the rule progressions we made happened like literally every game. And I'm not sure I could document every single one. <laughs> um, but remember, I remember where we started and where we mm-hmm. started, we talked about how um, essentially each team was going to have cubes on either side. Basically, holding a cube gives you immortality. But you but getting hit by a dodgeball means the cube is dead, basically.
0: Like you'd be trying to solve the cube. Yes. And if you get hit, that cube is out. Yes, but you were still in. Okay, right.
1: So you can meat shield. Basically, what, what when we started playing this game, uh, Stanley and Patrick were the two fastest 3x3 three three solvers there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, we basically ended up just meat shielding them as they solved all <laughs> the cubes. <laughs> nice. And basically no cubes ever got out. Okay. So it was kind of a problem because really the best strategy just meant like you just need one person who's really fast to solve all the cubes Mm -hmm. and make a meat shield in front of them so they can do all that. (laughs) Uh, And then like because we we said we needed a tiebreaker in case people tied and the tiebreaker is whoever could do it the fastest Mm. And it quickly devolved into a game of a lot of cubing and not a lot of dodgeball.
0: Yeah, that that just seems like
1: Patrick versus Stanley then, right? Just solving what, cubes. <laughs> what was funny is it turned into this game of lob shots too, where like people weren't really <laughs> hurling them; they were just like throwing balls like high in the air over the meat shield, <laughs> and trying to get people out by just kind of like hoping that their like lob ball would hit the cube solver while they weren't looking. So. Um, we had to make some changes for this. Um, okay. And we we adjusted, like, the balance of cubes to players at first, mm-hmm. hoping that, like, if you just gave them more cubes to solve, that there would be more chances to hit them out. But we kind of came as well to the realization that the dodgeball court that we were using was pretty large. And thus, uh, it was hard to aim accurately from a large, like, a really far away distance, yeah. Like in normal dodgeball this isn't an issue because people are more inclined to come forward on offense.
0: Right. So yeah. That, like no matter the other team.
1: Right. So no matter how big the field is, like people are always like encouraged to come forward, but with the wind condition being at the back wall, yeah. um that was a problem. <laughs> so um the final rules we ended up on after a lot of tweaking and deliberating, um oh another issue too that um people would, uh, to save cubes, intentionally drop them before getting hit. Mm. And then someone new could come in to solve them. That's an interesting strategy. Yeah, and it was a problem because kind of the whole point of the game was to try to get people out, or not people, but cubes out. Right. Because that's really how it determined the win condition. So that was problematic too because people definitely value cubes over themselves. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm <laughs> funny, but um, <laughs> the, um, we ended up making some rule changes success- in succession, and I don't remember when order these came in, but here's all the changes that we did make in- to respond to all that. Mm-hmm. First, the cubes were no longer starting on the back wall. Okay. They were on your side of the court, but they were very close to the dodgeballs. Okay. And I think we ran into a problem where, like, the initial strat was to just, you know, push them all immediately back in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that didn't... It, it helped a little bit, but not really. What we then decided, I think, to do after that was that... Um, and these two might have come simultaneously. Because we kind of realized we can't we need to do something to prevent people from pushing them around. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of came up with the rule of one cube to a person at a time. Okay. And, like, you couldn't intentionally try to shove them around. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can only pick up one at a time from the middle. And you couldn't, like, just get them out of the middle intentionally.
0: Okay, so it's like you can't push them. You just have to hold one at a time and run with it if you want to move it somewhere?
1: Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Which helped, but then it was still too easy to, like, get them all to the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we added a new rule because it also solved the issue of where people were intentionally dropping them. Mm -hmm. Um, we added the rule where once you pick up a cube, it is your cube until you solve it. Ooh, nice. I like that. Yeah. And that really helped a lot. Um, what hurt with that rule is that, um, I think it became, uh, actually a bit too easy to get people out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and people were like, it became actually easy for the win condition to be just knocking the entire team out. Okay. So it became, we started with too much cubing, not enough dodgeball, and we eventually, like, overcorrected and got to too much dodgeball, not enough cubing. <laughs> so baseless is a really hard game to balance, is what I learned. Um, and I think what actually did it in the end is we kept those rules. But what we ended up doing then in the end is we had toward the middle of the court, there was a table on the side of the court. Um, mm-hmm. And in order for a cube to count, you had to get it to that table safely. Ooh, that's tough. But in exchange, um, every time you brought a cube to the middle of the table, so like, you know, in dodgeball, if you catch a ball, you get to yeah. bring a player back onto your nice. team that was knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when you bring a cube back to the table, you get to bring one of your players that was out back.
0: That's really good. It yes, really balances the mechanics this
1: out. Actually, from the two games we got to play with this before people got tired, these were the perfect rules.
0: That sounds really good. Yeah. That, yeah. It's like because, literally
1: just one mechanic leads to the other. Yes. because Yeah, they feed into each other. So, like, there's definitely some advantage to getting people out, but it's also with a sufficiently large team. Like, if you have five or six to a side, it's nearly impossible for your team to get knocked out completely. But you mm-hmm. definitely get, like, penalized because you have fewer people able to be solving cubes or getting people back out on the other side. hmm Right. So, yeah, and it's I think it's perfect because then... The dodgeball is encouraged because it definitely helps you get ahead on the cube solving. Yeah. But it doesn't make it where cube solving is, the like, irrelevant because you need it to get people back in.
0: Mm-hmm. So when does the game end? Does it end when both teams run out of cubes?
1: Yeah, so there's—the win conditions I think we kept were the same. Um, it was either knock the entire team out on the other side. Mm-hmm would end the game but then um the other team would basically get free time to solve any remaining cubes that are still in the game or whatever right and then they'd score from there Mm -hmm. um so knocking the other team out is like potentially a win condition if you have enough cubes to score more than the other team yeah um that's not always the case though
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) i mean yeah you can get to a point where your team can't lose huh
1: yes so like if they've so the, and it's hard to track and that was kind of one of the other issues which is why having the table in the center is really nice is this game was really hard to figure out who was winning <laughs> <laughs> um but with like cubes solved at that table it was um very easy or not very easy but a lot easier to tell who was yeah, you can just
0: visually look over and see yeah who was winning so then so then when somebody was hit with a cube how did they signal
1: that the cube was out of play so we had a dead pile basically um okay. whenever you got hit while holding a cube you had brief immortality to run it to the dead pile and then you're back in the game
0: okay so you have immunity until it reaches you... the dead
1: pile got it okay yeah. so there was always a way to track what was dead and what was uh alive nice
0: um, yeah, that actually sounds like a really good rule
1: set. No, yeah, it was it, it was really fun. Uh, unfortunately, though, everyone was so tired by the time we came up with the ultimate rule set <laughs> um, yeah. that it didn't quite work out. Well, I mean, it, it worked, but it was like we were all dead by the time we actually were able to develop the best rule set. <laughs> um, we have some videos from it. We unfortunately didn't get a recording of the very last game, which I think was the only mm. game we had with the perfect rule set. Um, okay, but yeah that's okay
0: yeah um, so how easy would this be to organize at other competitions <laughs> uh depends
1: on if they have a dodgeball court <laughs> <laughs> um also the even like, even said the yeah. dodgeball cart we were using was pretty small
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so we had the benefit of back walls that were fairly close to each other Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to hope you're in like an elementary gym or something at your competition.
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a gym seems like it could work. Yeah, if you
1: have a gym for a venue, you definitely could do it post-comp or something like that. <laughs> um, and we do have a gym that we use at um, one of the at- uh, atomic competitions in mm-hmm. uh, eastern Washington. So um, if we can get some dodgeballs together, maybe we could do it there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, we keep talking about, like, what events should the WCA add? Like, what if we just start organizing these things, and it gets so popular that they decide to add dodge cubing as an official event?
1: (laughs) The ultimate team cubing sport. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, like, it was really fun, the the, the final game we were playing. um, Mm -hmm. It was definitely the best rule set that we had. Um, And the funny thing is, too, is because it was so hard to track who was winning and losing... I think mm-hmm. that the meta hadn't fully evolved on it yet. Yeah. So maybe it was, who knows, maybe there's more evolutions that need to happen, but we yeah, find- Yeah, I mean,
0: I could, I could think of things like, like maybe you get hit with a cube, so you have a dead cube, and then you just like, instead of bringing it to the dead pile, you just like go
1: and like use your body as a shield. Oh. immunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine though being a meat, being a meat shield is not the most effective role for a person.
0: Hmm, okay. You you can't just be like Patrick get behind me. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I mean it maybe maybe we would need a, like a honorable um meat shield pile like no uh delaying <laughs> your trip to the the uh the dead pile. The right honorable sir meat shield pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is you it's, you have to be honorable I suppose about it. Um yeah.
0: You can get you can get called for uh,
1: unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, I think that there should probably be like a you have to make a decent effort to like return it to the meat shield or the meat shield the um <laughs> the dead pile. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously you don't want you want to do it in a way that's safe, so but so like you could obviously like wait a few seconds for like the right time where you're gonna safely bring it back and be able to safely come yeah. back into the game. But yeah, I don't I don't think you can just like use your immunity to your advantage while you ha- got out. <laughs> <laughs> that seems a little cheap yeah but um yeah that's that's the thing though that that never came up and you know those sort of tweaks probably have to happen as the meta advances but no it was it was good um i think it's nice though that we found a good rule set because it definitely the hardest part was balancing cubing and dodgeball and mm-hmm. the revival and the um the sort of revival rule and scoring them at the table definitely seemed to um, emphasize cubing, but also emphasize dodgeball by getting more people up to the front of the court. Yeah, it was it was finally good to find a couple of good complementary rules that fed into each other like that. Oh, also the balance. I didn't talk about the, the how many cubes we used. Um, okay, yeah. I think we had 11 on each side is what we and how many players um usually around six sometimes five or sometimes seven depending on who needed rest okay Uh, because we did cycle people in and out um throughout while we were play testing i think Mm. i played every single game but a lot of people cycled in and out
0: (laughs) um now i want to like organize a competition that has like three by three or something so it shows up on the wca website but then (laughs) but then also like but just also do like a a dodge cubing tournament (laughs)
1: yeah i'd be down <laughs> <laughs> do you have a gymnasium venue that you could use uh i know people who could probably get one <laughs> mm-hmm. intriguing yeah i'm interested They're... let me know if you do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be a really interesting competition
1: <laughs> yeah definitely i think though it would be very useful to have like another session of like real oh, yeah. testing definitely before... need to play test it <laughs> yeah before it ever becomes like an actual competition yeah, It definitely, it, we definitely hashed out a lot in that playtesting session, but um, mm-hmm. it definitely needs, like, a little more tweaking, I feel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been working on my game, yes. my cardboard game thing, yep. and I've made, like, huge changes to it since you've played it, mm-hmm. actually. Um, And I've been doing a ton of playtesting while I've been back over break, because I have more people here who are willing to do it. Nice. So, yeah, I can... It's, it takes a lot of playtesting to find all the little things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, right now, the game's at a point where I'm like, this is really fun and everyone's having a ton of fun with it. Yeah. But I feel like at some point, the meta's going to evolve to a certain point where, people where like, it breaks. Right. And, like, I just need to play it enough to get to that point, and I could see that happening for dodge-cubing. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. Because I, th- I feel like we did get to a good, balanced rule set, but, like, that rule set could break down over 10 to 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> so... I didn't realize that we were recording brain to board right now, though.
0: I haven't done that in a long
1: time. Interesting, uh, but I will soon, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. What with do you have? Uh, what three active podcasts?
0: Uh, most basically two at this point. I guess th- two two of them are semi-active.
1: <laughs> okay, so the other what your brain to board and your history podcast have been less active. Yeah. Okay.
0: Brain to board mostly because I've been overhauling the rules of the game so much that, oh, like, it's... I didn't want to record anything until I kind of landed on something. Right, right. Okay. Um, but now that I'm kind of getting there, I think that's going to come back.
1: Well, cool. So maybe we should actually move on to a... Uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe we should actually move on to a uh, layer-by-layer topic.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have some follow-up from last episode here. Okay. I was talking about, like, recording solves and stuff, and the yuri Graniero, i think that's close to how his name is pronounced yes um i know who you're talking about at least yeah apparently at some brazilian comps um one of the organizers or delegates or something um got these like little tiny cameras that are really cheap not like super high quality um and stuck them on a bunch of stations okay and just they've been using them to review incidents and they're like they were even cheaper than i expected they were like less than ten dollars each and they have an like uh they come with an sd card that records that can record for three hours and then Hmm. it automatically deletes the footage that's older than that Hmm. um
1: like continuously so like if you start recording at like 1 p.m at 4 p.m it just starts like cutting off
0: right okay
1: so when you stop recording it basically will save the latest three hours
0: yeah, that's the idea. Okay. Um so I guess they've been using that to review some incidents and like they got some footage for a South American record that way that wasn't otherwise recorded. Hmm. Um So 10? Is, yeah, something like that. Um Man. If you if you find the post where Yuri talked about it, there uh, eventually we got a link in the descri- or a link in the comments somewhere. Oh, okay. Um, in, on, yeah I was expecting it to be in like the twenty to thirty range. No, that was on Facebook and Cubix's friends. I think. oh okay, okay, yeah, um, no wonder I missed it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happens there, yeah, um, yeah, I was expecting to be like the twenty to thirty dollar range, um, just based on like the quality of and like all those features, mm-hmm. but apparently, yeah, I guess they were like less than ten dollars or something Wow. so yeah, they're really cheap, yeah, I'd
1: buy a set of like twelve of those,
0: yeah. So I think it's a little bit more feasible than you were thinking last episode. Although I definitely agree that like we should not, it shouldn't be prioritized over other equipment that's more essential for cubing. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, but I, I don't, yeah. I just, I don't think it's out as far out of reach to at least get some kind of rudimentary system like this out up and running
1: yeah i mean if they're that cheap i'm definitely on board with at least at least piloting it <laughs> um <laughs> i think it's, yeah. it's a little harsh to just go from not having it done at all to all of a sudden being like rec- a required thing
0: yeah i think it should be phased in yes but um and also yeah i i think maybe i don't know if like if there was some kind of special deal or something because like the, the the cameras were on like ebay or something oh okay but they were, but they, but like they seemed like a, like a bulk seller. Like I don't know, it wasn't like just some
1: person selling off a bunch of cameras. It was right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could definitely be interested in doing that if, um, because I definitely have, I definitely could afford like a two hundred dollar camera budget for at least my competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could definitely. I, I think it's one thing to suggest the system to delegates yeah. that's something i mm-hmm. think is definitely something you could suggest as something to try out to be able yeah. to kind of you, it, it's nice not to have to because it's really awkward when i have to ask people for video evidence when like like because I, I i now know as a delegate that it's better to not say anything about what you think about the incident before you ask for video evidence right <laughs> just because like if you say well you know i th- it's probably okay, but it could be a DNF. Can I see your camera? <laughs> like, <laughs> then they're going to be like, well, if I show it to you, maybe it's going to turn into a DNF now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really... Uh, it's really weird to try to ask them for their own camera. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have the evidence yourself that you can check, then it's a lot cleaner to do that.
0: Yeah. And and it's not like it's a... Uh... The nice thing about having the cameras that just like delete the footage after a while is like you either deal with it in the moment or you never deal with it.
1: Right, yeah. And like
0: that sort of that adds like an easy delineation where you don't have to like make some kind of ruling about how long you need to keep it and stuff. Totally, yeah. It's just like yeah, it's like if you catch it when it happens then Yeah, it's there in the moment that's, if that's you what need it's it. for. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that that is definitely that's definitely going to be very helpful in some cases where because I mean so much does you know, make it through, let's slip through the cracks, mm-hmm. but, you know, at least in cases where, you know, something happened that's wrong, you definitely have the video to go back and check. Right. So that's definitely better than the current situation. If, if you can afford to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hope those are actually like as cheap as they seem to be.
1: <laughs> Ho- yeah.
0: Hoping there's not some hidden cost in there.
1: Yeah, Hopefully. But yeah, I'll definitely look into that. I, I might actually throw down some money or some of our cubing money into that if
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if they are that reasonable.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how he, like, set them up, though, like, as far as attaching. Um, I think they were, like, attached to the display stand somehow. Oh, yeah. Do they have, I'd imagine. Do they have tripods something.
1: built into them or something?
0: I don't. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. but I'd imagine you can rig up something, like even if it's just like tying them on with string or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: And Amazon has some pretty like cheap, like, you know, six inch tripods. Mm-hmm. Which is really all you need.
0: Reddit user Lonnie Dangle um, asked us about uh, I think he was saying that he hasn't been to a competition yet mm-hmm. and was just kind of wondering like if it would be weird for him as like an adult basically, to show up at a competition because he saw a bunch of kids and stuff at Cubs. <laughs> so, Kit, as an old person, do you have any thoughts on this? Well,
1: I mean, relatively, I guess I am old for Cubing, but um, <laughs> I definitely feel like there is still a space. I mean, you, I, for, for people who are definitely, like, older, um, like, middle-aged and up at competitions, um, mm-hmm. and, like, at least for me, um, granted, I am still in my 20s, but I definitely feel like I can still somewhat connect to most of the people that are younger than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously loud, annoying 12 year olds can get tiresome. um, But (laughs) um, uh, just to point to some evidence here in the Northwest, um, two guys that uh, around here that started cubing in 2017 um, that live in Seattle, uh, David Brown and Greg Martin, they I think have really good personalities to be like really good, cool people in the community um I think that they, it's nice that they have people you know, they're not necessarily super like as old as them, but like matured people that they can talk to in the community. Um mm-hmm. so obviously it could be challenging, like, you know, if everybody else there is, you know, seventeen and younger. Um but there are still people who are, are adults, you know, young adults but adults. Um yeah. that you can still connect with and their personalities I think really work well because they are um I mean, they're parents themselves, so they can kind of have that sort of, um, you know, sort of mentory kind of relationship, but they don't, they still, like, talk to other cubers, you know, just like they would, you know, regardless of their age. I think that cubing in general kind of does break down age barriers in many ways.
0: Yeah, I I think that any hobby kind of in general tends to do that. Right, because you have a common ground to talk about
1: something. Right, yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But even so, like, I definitely feel like with, like, the right mentality and the sort of right personality that you can even, you know, have great interactions with people who are, you know, teenagers. And Mm -hmm. just because you do have this common ground to work with and you, um, you know, can, if you kind of can see yourself as, you know, you know, maybe not like a role model, but at least like, uh, you know, someone that, um, I don't know what the right term I'm looking for is here. (laughs) Um, but like, you know, if you, if you, um. You know, when you when you're like a little and you get to hang out with people that are older than you or whatever, or like get to relate with people that are older than you, um, you know, you, there's like that you, you feel like cool, like you, that you've made a connection with someone that you don't normally connect with. Like I'm, I, don't know if there's like a great word like role model for that, but you definitely um, you definitely get respected in a different way through the Cuban community. I don't know the greatest yeah. way to put that into words. Um, but... I mean,
0: it, yeah, it's just like it's a good experience for people to, or for like younger people to mm-hmm. have that interaction. Yeah, totally. In a,
1: in a in like a normal,
0: you know, equal kind of context. Yeah.
1: And I think I might have said this in a previous episode. Maybe I didn't. Um but when uh we had atomic cubing, uh both Dave and Greg went. Also uh Lee Odegaard, who's from Spokane, was there. Spokane's eastern Washington, so this was close to him. It, it was and I think uh Chris Tabor too. So we had like uh four guys that were actually I don't want to call them old, but they were older than I am, um, and um, I think that the average age at that competition was I think like twenty two or something. Okay. And the median was twenty. Huh. Which is insane. Like. Yeah, that's that's um,
0: that's high for a cubing in the U.S.
1: Yeah, it was really high. It was it was really cool though. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people, like relatively so many people here that I've I. <laughs> I feel like are on my maturity level, Yeah. which again I don't feel like I need to have people on my maturity level. But it was definitely really cool to uh, to see that there. I still think you can get a lot out of competitions, you know, with interacting with lots of people, regardless yeah, yeah, of for their sure. age.
0: Yeah, and I think that a lot of the times that like when when you have that commonality and you're all kind of on the same page at a Cuban competition, it like it you the age. Age doesn't really matter as much. Like everyone, kind of gets along because you all have learned to talk about this thing in the same way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'll also say that quiet competitions are
1: yeah <laughs> a much older demographic. Yes. Um, yeah. So if you're if so, you're older, just get into blind and FMC, and then you'll definitely connect with everyone there.
0: Yeah. I mean, you probably will eventually do that anyway.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but blind blind and FMC events are definitely the coolest. That's um, true. It's true yeah not just for the age but <laughs>
0: just in general yeah yeah I think you covered that pretty well I don't really yeah, have I much think to add did. since I am I'm on the younger side of this podcast I mean you can speak um, to this
1: you can you can still speak to this you're definitely I, yeah you're definitely older a, than yeah you're definitely older <laughs> than the typical competitor
0: that's true um but yeah I also have, I sort of have like a whole group of people who i've like grown up with basically at these competitions which is
1: interesting yeah that's always interesting too um like it's weird um because i've gotten to like like sort of uh lead two different communities now mm-hmm. uh first michigan area the midwest like michigan midwest general area and then i moved out to portland and mm-hmm. portland was essentially dead before i got there um like they literally had their first competition in Portland, uh, in 2015, like a few months before I moved there. Okay. And, uh, so it was an incredibly young community when I got out here, just Mm. like how Michigan was really young because, um, like when I started competing in Michigan, it was their, um, I think third competition in the state ever. Mm -hmm. And the previous ones were like a year before and four years before, <laughs> um, and then Oregon had its second competition, or I guess the one I attended was its third competition ever, and the previous ones were that same year and two years before okay, so I came actually yeah. in pretty similar circumstances into like similar age demographics and it was weird, you know, being in Michigan cubing there for uh, like two and a half years, and then like seeing a lot of like people who started when I was starting up and then get you know. Two, and a half, two to three years older and then go to Oregon and be like whoa I just feel like I went back in time oh yeah <laughs> um, like I feel like I'm like I'm like learning everyone's names again and mm-hmm. um you know really like starting a whole thing from scratch and I feel like finally like Lauren and I were chatting recently and it's like you know I feel like this community is like finally caught up to where like the Michigan community was when we left so I don't know it's kind of weird yeah
0: I mean, I feel like the California and Southern oh. and Northern California, yeah, California's, California's been, been around it's so like, long. Yeah. It's like one of the longest established commun- Cuban communities just ever in like the whole world, really.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
0: Because like, wasn't like a lot of the early WCA people were for, like from Berkeley and stuff. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've, I've always had sort of a well-established community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what I started with. And it's still kind of that way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I feel feel like the community here has gotten younger over time because of just like
1: cubing getting younger in general. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's that's true, too. Um, But yeah, when you're kind of starting from scratch, you kind of notice that most everyone's young. And then as they Mm -hmm. like people do quit as they grow older, but the the serious ones stay, they make their friends there. And then all of a sudden you've got like a bunch of older role models with the new young kids that keep coming in. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's it's kind of interesting. One area in the U.S. that's particularly interesting to me in terms of the age demographics, at least cl- like a, not that I know age demographics. I could figure them out if I wanted to, but um, just from my general uh, anecdotal experience, mm-hmm. um, Utah is a really weird place.
0: What about it? Because I, uh, not Kevin, who's like our main delegate out here now, um.
1: He basically started that community in
0: Utah, didn't he? Yes,
1: he did. Utah though is kind of like Ash Ketchum in Pokemon. It never gets older. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um So I don't mean this to like criticize religion because I think that religion is very cool and very fulfilling for many people. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't mean this to be a knock, but Mormonism kind of hurts the Cuban community in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I understand. Like Yeah, it's it's an of like yeah, it's nothing. It's against not a bad Mormons. thing about it. It's yes. Just, I don't want to. It's just I, I just want a to side preface effect that. of the way it works. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, I just yeah. wanted to preface with I'm not trying to criticize the Mormon faith. Okay, that aside, and this is changing, by the way. From what I've seen, this is definitely changing now. Um, but when I've done Utah competitions, I did one in 2015, one in early 2017, Nats, but that really doesn't count. But um, but I've <laughs> I've like seen the community evolve, and I haven't been to one recently, other than. Nats, but the competitors i have seen competing there i'm like oh you know those people actually continue competing um that's cool that's something that really hasn't happened in the past um mm-hmm. and the reason that you often see competitors in utah that start to compete and then just kind of stop all of a sudden is because mormons could uh do a mission around when they graduate high school mm-hmm. and this is like one to two years depending on what uh I actually have no clue what it is, depending on. I don't want to speak for the faith. Um, But um, for a significant period of time, they go on a mission. And that time, I think, is really crucial as to whether you continue cubing or whether you stop cubing. Mm-hmm. uh right around when you graduate high school because so many things are changing in your life whether you're going to college whether you're getting a job whether you're going on a mission you know there's a lot of changes that are happening in your life around then and um it's also they're very formative years of your life too what i think happens for a lot of uh competitors in Utah a strong majority which are practicing the mormon faith um are they go on mission trips And, you know, when they're on these missions, it's often that they get placed somewhere that isn't close to a cubing competition or maybe is close, but they don't have the means or travel to get there. Um, And they kind of just lose interest in it. Um, As well as because so many people go on these mission trips, you know, their friends from cubing are often in completely different places. Yeah. So they lose that sort of motivation to continue cubing as well. Um, So it's really interesting because it's, um, the community seems to always like, refresh itself every two years Mm -hmm. uh, with completely new competitors from before with a few exceptions the core i've noticed though they start they have started to get like a core of you know college age kids that are cubing um which i think is crucial because um they kind of had this catch 22 situation for a long time where that age group was missing in their cubing community Mm -hmm. and if you are of that age and are interested in cubing if you don't see those kinds of people there you don't want to go there um, it seems like they've gotten over that hump, though, which is really good for, you know, just the growth of Cubing there. But for a long time, I think it was really hard for their community to get older just because it, the the religious and cultural um, phenomena that were going on there kind of just uh, made it difficult for Cubing to get older there. That
0: makes a lot of sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's also why, basically, whenever I would go there and be like, you know, who's a potential delegate that we could promote? It's like, oh... Everyone's 15. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we haven't yeah. had 15-year-old delegates, but uh, it's um, <laughs> it's hard to be that young and have the maturity required to become a delegate. Anyways, long ramble. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> felt it was semi-relevant to the topic of age but um, and how kind of communities evolve.
0: Yeah, no, I actually thought that was really interesting. I didn't have much to say about it, but I'll...
1: <laughs> yeah, I will say... Um, i have uh met a lot of cubers from that area that are re- awesome people so i don't know maybe i'm being, being like ultra safe about saying all these things <laughs> um, but um yeah no i've we, a ton of like utah cubers actually came uh to SkillCon. and it was really fun catching up with all of them it, it's uh it's really cool to see that the community seems to be growing and i think nationals mm-hmm. probably had a bit to do with that too well hopefully it's permanent <laughs>
0: Can we talk about this thing I've had in here for a long time, which is the FMC deal or no deal?
1: Yes. Yes. I've been wondering what that is was for like literally half a year. I wanted to, I want to know what this is. <laughs>
0: okay. 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 Um, you might have, I, I, I posted about this in some Facebook group a while ago, mm-hmm. um, but I also thought it would be interesting to talk to you about directly. Okay. Uh, and get some, uh, first of all, I want to know if you would take this deal, but okay. then also I want to know your thoughts just about the fact that this deal is a thing that I can make. So, you're at a Fewest Moves competition, right? Yeah, I do that a lot. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And you're there with a friend who's also good at Fewest Moves.
1: Oh, okay, cool. I like going to competitions with
0: friends. (laughs) All right, I'm going to present you with a few different scenarios. We'll start with you and your friend are, like, basically exactly the same skill level at Fewest Moves. Mm -hmm. Um, So, on the first solve, you both get a 19. Ooh.
1: High five, friend.
0: the second solve... You both get a 20.
1: Ooh. High five.
0: <laughs> All right. And then, so this, so you got a really good mean going on right now. Yeah, I mean. If you were to get a world record, uh world record would require you to get a 31? Is that right? Uh, No. 30? Hold on. I got to do the math. Um, okay. I hear you. 33. Tie things, so I'm gonna,
1: a 33. 33 to tie world record if you start with 19 and 20.
0: All right. That is so like the comes easiest up thing ever. Yeah, your friend, they come up to you. They say, "Hey, let's make a deal." mm mm-hmm. Mhm. On this third solve, no matter what you find, get a 32. That way we both break the world record and we tie it, but we both get the record. Ooh. Do you take that deal?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> So it's like
0: you can't get it, you can't get the record alone, you also can't break it by nearly as much as you possibly could, but you're guaranteed to get it, and you're guaranteed that your friend won't beat you
1: okay i'm mostly I'm thinking about the consequences of this um <laughs> because I guess like if you wanted to play it off like the because I'm worried about that people will look into this and be like, why did you intentionally get more moves?
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. The regulation that that applies to um, not intentionally getting a worse result doesn't apply to fewest moves.
1: I'm not too concerned about getting DNF'd, okay. But more about what the community would think about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, because I feel like as much as it isn't technically against the rules, one there's always this whole spirit of the regulations thing, and it could be argued that like it was intended to be written for the all events. I don't know, it seems to pretty specifically exclude it. It does by the arrangement of it, but there's definitely been cases of things where, like, technically the regs don't apply, but, like, it was intended to be applied that way, so they do okay. anyways. Like, I, I can't think of any specific cases, but there have been, like, cases I've remembered where, um, like, on some technicality this doesn't apply, but there's mm-hmm. always the sort of spirit of the regulations that... uh helps guide making decisions so mm-hmm. that is a thing but i'm also just concerned about the fact that um this kind of appears dirty in a yeah. way that and that, so- that people might not take this lightly it's like oh you guys were like too chicken to like actually fight for the world record yeah <laughs> uh like you actually had to make a deal so that you would both get it that's kind of weird
0: yeah all right, so so it sounds like you probably wouldn't take the deal I, I considering think, how I, others would react.
1: Yeah, I I mean to be honest though, um like the easiest way to get around this is find a skeleton that's like uh, like if so with 30 if 32 is the target, like find a yeah. 20 to four or something.
0: Mhm.
1: And then Spend some time finding a combination that gets you a 32 and just turn yeah. it in at the last second and say, oh, I barely had time to insert it. I had to rush <laughs> it. Like, I mean, yeah. there's definitely ways to get around like the, the, um, there's definitely ways to get around like community speculation and, um, like potentially getting DNF for intentionally poor results. hmm Um, simply because, you know, no one's going to judge your intent on FMC because nobody really knows what's going on in your head. I don't know. Maybe they'll start having people standing over you, watching your every move <laughs> for FMC to see yeah, how I mean, your you to is going. Them. <laughs> right. <laughs> we could set up cameras. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's not the worst idea. Um, yeah. For uh, you'd only have to review it if something notable happened. But right.
0: Anyway, that's we're getting off topic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like someone um, using a smartwatch for Cube Explorer. I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> so, so if you could do it and know that the community wasn't going to like notice or care Mm -hmm. would you do it like how would you
1: personally feel about it Uh, i don't like i feel like it would feel almost like an empty achievement to me like it it, i don't know like i I almost feel like if i go for it and say like i get like a 29 on the last solve and my friend gets a 27 like i feel like i would be happier with being second in the world with a better result Mm -hmm. as opposed to being first in the world with a worse result
0: okay what, what about this slightly different situation okay what if your solves were better so the the solve you needed to get the world record was like a 25 oh man would would you agree to not get anything better than a 25 like I, it doesn't
1: change it too much i think i probably wouldn't even make the deal in the first place just because like i don't know who my friend is but i know who i am Um, And I think that if my friend were reasonably around my FMC skill level, the chances that we both have the capacity to get a 25 or better is definitely less likely than more likely. So I don't even think we'd come across even thinking about this deal in the first place. And if I feel like then in that case, because of how unlikely this is, I feel like, uh, like, say if I did find a 23, like i would honestly feel like i might be just adding two moves to my solution and my friend isn't even gonna find a 25 and i'm just gonna get a worse (laughs) record for no reason like i think this is only considerable if it's like 30 or up because i think on like 80 to 90 percent of attempts i can get a 30 or up Mm -hmm. well i hope
0: you can get a 30 or up on 100
1: percent of attempts Uh, (laughs) oh or up yes that's okay i I think that i can beat a 30 on at least on 100 percent like on 80 percent of attempts do 30 or better on 80 percent of attempts yes right (laughs) i was thinking of up as the better not higher (laughs) yeah that's interesting uh i think
0: i generally agree with you Mm -hmm. um i don't think i would take the deal yeah just go for a good solve here's an here's another slight change okay what if your friend was significantly better than you? Like, I mean, it's hard to get significantly better mm. than so like, you. So, like, if it
1: were, like, but, Walker and I or something. Like, I would definitely I, I, rate like, Walker's what, skill as better like than even, me.
0: Like, even more than that. Like, mm, okay, someone much better than even
1: Walker is. Um, okay. Uh, it's definitely more enticing, would you, but I'd almost yeah, feel embarrassed what, asking for it. What if they asked you for it, though? Oh. <sighs> I feel like you're an idiot. Um, (laughs) Like, are you that dumb? You're going to beat... You're surely going to beat me. Man, if someone that better than me asked me to to do that deal, I might do it. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I still would feel weird about it. Like, I think it would then really feel like an empty achievement, you know? Like, someone, (laughs) like, you know, was like, here's a free world record.
0: It's kind of an achievement, though, to be good enough that they would think that... (laughs) they need to make the deal
1: <laughs> yeah i
0: don't know um kind of weird so the last modification i have is would you take the deal if they're way better than you and you also had an 18 on your first solve so now you already have a world record
1: oh hmm uh no i would just be like i'm already happy
0: <laughs> what if they got a 17 on the last
1: solve no I'm just <laughs> <laughs> i just i'd play the odds that's so unlikely that i would not even consider that um now one question is is my friend going to bring howie mandel when we do this and will there be a giant red button that i could choose to press if i take the deal
0: yes that's the exact situation
1: okay and there would also be like that clear case that i could like slam down and be like no deal
0: (laughs) yes it's that is exactly what happens just
1: like that does that change your answer oh no like not at all because i think it's way more satisfying to like slam the button (laughs) shut rather than press the button and like yell (laughs) no deal at the top of your lungs (laughs) also fist bumping howie mandel would be i don't know kind of cool i guess
0: (laughs) it'd be interesting at least yeah
1: that or like trying to chase him for a hug
0: would you rub his head for luck
1: i'm pretty sure that like the like his secret (laughs) service would be on me if i tried to rub his head (laughs) if he has like a secret service i don't know i'm sure he does i mean with how (laughs) with yeah with how uh particular he is about uh human to human contact it wouldn't be surprised if he has like <laughs> bodyguards like hiding in the bushes wherever he goes
0: it's time for the martin eggdoll of the day yes. brought to you by martin Egdal it's my favorite segment Kit today <laughs> we're gonna be talking about denmark okay Denmark is where Martin Egdal's from. Really? And without... I'd like you to not look at his page right now.
1: Okay, okay. I'm not looking at his page.
0: And see if you can guess what his worst
1: national rank is. Worst national rank? Yeah. Okay. In any event. Any event. Um, well, that any event is feat, I'm almost certain. You would be correct. Okay. So I got something right. Yes. Do I win a prize? Um.
0: No. Oh man. However, okay. I can set something up uh, with Howie Mandel if you're interested. Nice. Do I get to <laughs> rub his head? Oh, I can't guarantee it. He <sighs> might have talked to his secret service about that. Um. You <laughs> okay. haven't answered the question.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that probably prevents me from winning a prize. Um. Okay, so I know that his feet ranking worldwide is somewhere around like 300-ish or so, 200 to 300. That's a world. Um, I know that's world. That's not national. That's not my
0: answer. His world rank for feet average is 158.
1: Oh, man. Okay, better than I thought. Okay. Um. I know it's, like, I think his only three-digit world ranking. Maybe there's something else, but... Uh, multi-blind. Oh, right. Multi-blind. Yeah, when we uh, first spoke about him. Yep, yep. I keep forgetting that. I, I just assume that's going to skyrocket up at some comp. <laughs> um. But okay, feet. So, I'm going to say... Eleven.
0: Well, that's a little bit too high.
1: Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Um, um. Six.
0: Oh, still a little bit too high.
1: I I am scared of the f- the future we live in. Okay, so Denmark <laughs> is a small country. I have to remember that. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> that helps.
1: Yeah. Um, how about four?
0: uh that's a little too low you might be able to figure it out from this information four and a half that's that's it actually yeah
1: yes (laughs) all right so it's five um (laughs) cool man that is um that is a number that is very low
0: yeah it's less than six why Uh, (laughs) why
1: why do we live in this world
0: well, we won't for much longer, because it'll probably <laughs> become, like, four or something soon.
1: Uh, oh, man. That's going to be an even crazier world. It's two Martin of the Eggdoll segments in, and I don't know if I could take this any longer.
0: Well, uh, there's only 17,000 more episodes to go.
1: What did I sign up for?
0: <laughs> did I not tell you about that? You should have read the contract. Um <laughs> Well, speaking of daily segments that happen whenever we record a podcast, do you have a
1: reg of the day? Oh, reg of the day. I almost forgot. <laughs> In fact, I did forget. Let's randomly generate one. So that reg, 266th regulation. Um, oh, how exciting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is it? It's
1: a sub-regulation for the notation for clock, 12G2. <laughs> 12G2, hold on. I'm gonna find it. Okay. Uh, just reading on its own, just it's not even a sentence. Twelve a little... On its own, it just it sounds nonsensical. Or I mean it's not nonsensical. Can, can, can you read it like you're like angry about it? Move pins up. U R, top right. DR, bottom right. DL, bottom left. U L, top left. U, both top. R, both right. D, both bottom. B L both left. All all. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean i guess oh, i could oh. i guess I could actually talk about this a little bit um
0: <laughs> there this used... one is definitely a less inspiring uh no,
1: no random there, there's, pick there's,
0: than our last one
1: there's 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 a story here um this notation um is actually about um six years old almost now mm-hmm. started in twenty thirteen um we originally had notation that looked more Maybe it didn't look like it, but it was often notated, like, on timers in, like, square one notation almost. Hmm. Okay. Um And I guess you could kind of do this here, but the the thing about the old notation, right now you only turn wheels next to up pins. You used to be able, you used to turn both the up and the down wheels on every pin position.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Um. Except for, of course, where the, all were up or all were down. Mm-hmm. Because then you mm-hmm. only had one <laughs> one type of wheel to turn. Right, Um yeah. But it was always, like, the concise notation was always in square one kind of notation with, like, number, comma, number. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, Because you just kind of, if it was concise, you knew the pin order and you just kind of did the numbers. Um, yeah. Uh, but when we did competitions, it was always read out instead um, with four letters that signified the pin position. So, like, U-U-D-D would be the top two up and the bottom two down okay and it would say like u equals five d equals negative two or something
0: Hmm.
1: (laughs) um and while people who are experienced at clock got good with this notation it was definitely a fast notation for scrambling clock because you didn't have to do so many pin changes Mm -hmm. it was a very confusing scrambling notation for people who didn't know clock and often people at competitions that needed to scramble clock had no clue how to do clock Right. <laughs> or a very yeah. minimal idea. So this notation was meant to simplify clock scrambling for beginners. Okay. Yeah. Because it you know, to,
0: I think it's done that pretty well. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it was definitely like an adjustment period. Like I definitely got used to doing the, um, the old notation because that's what was always on like the timing programs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, granted, I started doing clock after the switch had already been made, but it was definitely frustrating, um, to have to practice with one notation and scramble Mm -hmm. and comps with the other. Um, so I was a little surprised it took that long to, you know, be adopted universally. People really, Mm -hmm. I think that more speaks to, um, how many people actually do clock. Um, but (laughs) it was definitely frustrating to get used to at first, but I think it is a much easier to understand notation now. Um, where you're only turning wheels next to up pins, mm-hmm. as now you can just simply say these pins are up. Turn it in this direction. Right. Yeah. So.
0: Um, well, actually, don't you have to turn the bottom pins at the start? Like.
1: No. When you do like one pin down. Oh well, you'll you'll up? you'll be turning the bottom pins, but they're neck the the like the two lower pins like. As they are positioned on the clock but they're always you're only mm-hmm. ever gonna turn a pin while the pin is up
0: oh right yes okay that makes sense yeah I see what you mean now
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah every other move you can use one of the upper two wheels yeah um, <laughs> but you are always turning a wheel in this notation um where a pin is up
0: yeah and that's makes it easy to keep track of because any wheel with a pin that's up is equivalent
1: yes although right they do yeah. the, they, they turn together anyways yeah they're connected by the pins nice yeah so hey actually had something to say about this reg that <laughs> feels weird on its own move pins up you are <laughs> top right dr bottom right dl bottom left
0: ul top left you both top R both right d both bottom l both left all all
1: yeah very angry Uh, notation that is being spelled out apparently sounds very angry
0: (laughs) we should just go through all of the the notation
1: all the (laughs) notation yeah this you know i keep talking about like special podcast episodes we should release (laughs) we should have a a special podcast episode where we just read the entire regulations to each other like we go back and forth (laughs) Nice. <laughs> and we do, like, different voices when we switch back and <laughs> forth. All right, I'm down. Yeah, we need to first, like, figure out a way that people can gain access to that episode. But, uh, <laughs> like, have us Easter eggs somewhere on the internet.
0: Hmm. Maybe we can get that, like, really long website I talked about at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Theinternet.com. <laughs> or whatever 200 characters you said at the beginning of this episode.com yep <laughs> okay yeah okay okay but we're not going to do that because we just told everyone that um <laughs> maybe i'll turn some other
0: phrase that we've said in this podcast into a, a url
1: yeah but i don't want to
0: pay money to like dot park... com <laughs> the entire podcast was
1: a url <laughs> Oh God <laughs> You mean we're going to transcribe this podcast. <laughs> oh God, that sounds painful. I've done transcription like for a grant that I work on. It's so mm-hmm. painful. Like t- t- transcribing like an hour of interview audio takes about four or five hours. <laughs> oh boy, that's a lot yeah it, it, it's especially i don't know maybe it depends on your audio equipment like we have good audio equipment and we are also mm-hmm. um you know generally we we record in a way it's easy to listen to but um mm-hmm. you know when you're interviewing people some people are really soft-spoken or talking yeah. hard to understand accents or um are further away from the microphone than others uh mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll do one of these uh, Easter egg episodes one day. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep saving up ideas. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like one episode we... will be like, all right, Easter egg episode is released. Go find it.
0: Do we have to do something special to the podcast or is that good enough?
1: <laughs> just to end it abruptly, like have an have a episode that's 20 to 30 minutes shorter than usual and don't even explain anything or... Yeah. <laughs> okay happy holidays everyone happy holidays
0: (laughs) goodbye you your your christmas special is a shorter
1: episode i thought this was a new year's special your new year's whatever (laughs) yeah see we were saving more time for you to enjoy the holiday
0: right yeah the your our gift to you is to go spend some time with whoever you're with
1: yeah (laughs) or basically just to not listen to this podcast yeah or just keep cubing in silence <laughs> you've been spared
0: Uh, do you want to go into another topic
1: yeah i actually could have rambled on more i had more to say too <laughs> it's i don't want to i don't want to like ramble on forever about it <laughs> um because i was going to say something like about brazil because they like brazil? worlds being in brazil did a lot to revitalize their community but it seems to have been pretty temporary mm okay so uh, the, the, the talking about utah nationals actually made me think about that but i was like oh god i can't ramble anymore um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, i'm gonna just put you the snippet of you saying all of that at the end of the podcast <laughs> <hopefully next>